Well, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about Christmas, of course, it's the right season to talk about Christmas, but we've been discussing and discovering just how complicated Christmas can be, whether it's the shopping list and all the presents you have to buy that makes Christmas complicated and trying to celebrate it. Maybe it's trying to figure out the schedule of who you're going to visit and when you're going to visit, or maybe it's your complicated calendar of all the Christmas parties, but Christmas can sometimes be really complicated. But I think the area that it's the most complicated is when it comes to trying to remember and figure out which part of the Christmas story comes from the Bible and which part comes from media and legends and passed down through the ages. Sometimes I forget, no, Frosty the Snowman was not in the original Timothy scene. Frosty the Snowman goes in that special cartoon. But we hear and that stuff all just runs together so much, it really is difficult. It's complicated sometimes. So I thought today we'll do a little Christmas trivia quiz. And I've got about seven questions I want to ask you. It's multiple choice, so you're not all on your own. It's not some essay question. But I want to see how educated or how much you remember about the real Christmas story that we see and we read about in Scripture. So here's your first question. Jesus was born at night, in the morning, or your third option, at an unknown time. At night, in the morning, or an unknown time. Okay, how many would say and vote Jesus was born at night? Raise your hand. How many would say Jesus was born in the morning? How many would say at an unknown time? Okay, the 11 o'clock hour, you're a lot smarter than the 9 o'clock hour that comes to church. The correct answer is we don't know. Um, we, the scripture doesn't tell us. Now, we often think it's night because the angels appear and there's stars and, and you sing beautiful, so <coughs> beautiful songs. But we don't know from scripture when Jesus was actually born. All right, here's your second one. Jesus was born in an inn, in a stable, or in an unknown place. In an inn? a stable, or an unknown place. How many would vote he was born in an inn? How many would say in a stable? How many would say at an unknown place? Well, I bragged on you, but you need to go back to school. Okay, you messed that one up really bad. Jesus was not born in a stable. Scripture actually doesn't tell us where he was born. Now, it does talk about he was laid in a manger, which is often referred to as like the trough of, of a feeding trough of animals. But the Bible never says where that actual trough or that manger was. So we're not sure where he was born. Here's number three. The innkeeper said to Mary and Joseph, you have four options. The innkeeper said, there's no room in the inn. Or the innkeeper said, do not be afraid. Or the innkeeper said, try the best Western down the street. Or the fourth option, the innkeeper is never mentioned in Scripture. Okay, which is your answer? Okay, no competition, but right now you're 50-50 when it comes to if you're smarter than the 9 o'clock service. All right, how many would say the innkeeper said, there is no room in the inn? How many would say, do not be afraid? Who would say, try the best Western down the street. I knew we'd have a few of you smart Alex in here, yes. And then the last one, there was no innkeeper ever mentioned. All right, if you voted on that last one, that is the right answer, okay? Now, we know there was no room in the inn, but the innkeeper is never recorded as saying that within Scripture. So the correct answer was there was no innkeeper ever mentioned in the inn. All right, here we go. Number four, the number of magi that visited Jesus was one. Second answer is three. Third answer is seven, or your fourth option is more than one. How many would vote one magi? How many would vote three magi? Anybody vote, vote for seven magi? Or the last possibility, more than one magi? 
All right, the last one was the correct answer. Now, we often think there were three magi, right, because they brought three different gifts, but nothing ever says it was one gift matched up per magi. So we're not sure how many of those wise men actually showed up there. All right, two more for you. The angels appeared, and they sang. First option, they sang a beautiful song. Or when the angels appeared, they terrified the farm workers. Or number three, when they appeared, they told the magi to go, to an, go home another way. Or fourth, the angels, none of those answers are right. Okay, think hard, think long. The correct answer is none of the above. Okay, now again, we often think they sang a beautiful song, right, when they showed up at the shepherds, but we'll discover as we read the scripture a little bit later that they said some things, but they never sang those things. It's we have the blessing of our wonderful carols that we have sang over the years, almost like scripture, that makes us think the angels sang something. All right, here's your last one. This is the hardest one for last, okay? If you miss this one, you have to repeat church next week, okay? So here you go. The animals mentioned at the manger included, first option, an ox, a donkey, a sheep, and cows. Your second option, the angels or the animals included pigs, lobsters, and shrimp. Or your third answer, no animals were mentioned in the scriptural story of the nativity. How many would say ox, donkeys, sheep? All right. Who would say pigs, lobsters, and shrimp? And then how many would say no animals were ever mentioned? All right, actually, you kind of caught on to actually no animals were ever mentioned. Again, there was a manger, so we, that's a feeding trough, so we just assume, and we can't find an nativity ceramic scene out there that doesn't have a donkey and some cows and some sheep, so we think that's scriptural. But as you can see, it really can get complicated. We think of all the things going on at Christmas, but the actual story, it can be complicated knowing what's really in scripture, what's part of legend, what's part of being passed down by our local media, and just what really comes in scripture. And so today what I'd like to do is as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, let's take a couple of characters from that original nativity story and let's look at the story from their perspective to see if we can kind of simplify some of the things that we believe. Because our series is called Simply Christmas. Nothing wrong with all the complicated parts of Christmas. Nothing wrong with the full calendar. Nothing wrong with the schedule of having to visit all the people that you want to see. And definitely nothing wrong with the, the complicated shopping list. But if we miss the birth of our Savior in the middle of all those festivities, we have missed the real reason of Christmas. And so we want to look at the shepherds and the shepherds and the angels within our story today as we do our Simply Christmas series. Now, before I jump into that actual scripture, let me do this just for a second. Let me go back to a pretend conversation, contextual that might have taken place between some shepherds and also some different angels. But for just a second, let us use our imaginations and just pretend about a conversation that might have taken place between the angels a few days before they announced the birth of the Savior to the shepherds. And so with me, as we think about that, and just imagine as we pretend that, imagine there's two angels sitting up in heaven, and their conversation goes something like this. One of the angels looks at the other one and says, wow, can you believe that we were chosen to announce the birth of Jesus? Like of all the hundreds of thousands of angels that God could have chosen, he chose us, and we get to be a part of that heavenly choir that makes that big announcement. And the other angel looks at that person or that other angel going, yeah, and can you believe this? Like, not only was there these hundreds of thousands of other angels he could have chosen, like 
400 years. We're just now ready, and we're at the right place at the right time. God hasn't made any kind of message, hasn't said anything to the world, the earthly world, in over 400 years, and we get to be the ones. And they both look at each other, kind of like their eyes wide open, their mouths drop because of this excitement of this big announcement they get to be a part of. And then one of them turns to the other one and says, but did you hear the rumor I heard? That when we go down there, we make this big announcement. Did you hear that we're making it to some shepherds? Surely that can't be right. And the other angel looks at that one and goes, yeah, that can't be right because we know angels. I mean, we know shepherds. They're like those stinky people that take care of the sheep out in the fields. Like, why would he ever send them to shepherds? Wouldn't it make more sense if, if God would have had us go to the, or would God would have us go to the politicians? Because the politicians have the power to announce anything and everything. Or the other angel said, well, maybe not the politicians. What about, shouldn't he send us like to the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Because they have that spiritual influence. They have the gathering of people when they come to the temple. Wouldn't that be a better place? Because if we're going to tell them about the birth of Jesus, then they have greater influence of who they tell about the birth of Jesus. And the two angels went back and forth. It could be these people or these people. And they chose people that probably anybody in the world would have chose if some big announcement was to be made. But then after a few minutes of silence, they're like, I don't know, that's a rumor, but surely, surely God in his sovereignty, God knows everything. God sits up in heaven. He's been making plans this way for hundreds and thousands of years. Surely he wouldn't send us just to some lowly shepherds that the only thing they have to talk to is just some sheep out in the fields. And the conversation kind of goes quiet. Again, it's a pretend conversation, okay? Let me not complicate this and think you're looking at your Bible going, where's this conversation? I never read that in the Bible. That's not a biblical conversation. It's just a contextual conversation that might have taken place between the angels as they're readying themselves to make the big announcement. Now, let's go to another conversation. Not of the angels, but of the shepherds. Imagine with me, if you will, two shepherds, probably about 15 years of age, are sitting out under the stars, they're taking care of the sheep. On this particular night, it was their job to take care of the sheep and watch for the sheep, the wolves and the lions of anything that might be coming after the sheep. The other shepherds were over there asleep. And these two shepherds were sitting, trying to stay awake, and having this conversation. One of them says, wow, this is some job we have here, isn't it? I mean, we don't get paid a lot of money. We don't get a lot of accolades. <laughs> and there's really not much chance of adva advancement in this job. Do you think we can ever have a better job than this? And the other one looks at him and says, you know, you're, you're talking about something that I've been feeling lately. Like the question I've been asking myself is what's our purpose? I mean, really, we get up every day. We take the sheep to the water. We bring them back to the fields to, to graze them. We take them to some place to stay at night. And if it's our turn, we have to stay up all night long and watch them. This job is just not a good job. What's our real purpose in life? And the other one turns and says, I have to be honest with you. I don't think we have a lot of purpose in life. I know we're not looked upon with any kind of purpose. Like, remember the last time we went to town for a couple of days and people, like, when we were walking down the road, they would get to the other side of the street. They would step over to the other side not to be around us. <laughs> His friend said, yeah, that's because we stunk so bad. I mean, we take these sheep out here and we don't even get to go home for, like, seven days. No wonder we stink and nobody wants to be around us. But his friend looked at him and said, I don't think it's because we stunk. I mean, we do stink. I think it's because they look down at us. I mean... 
You go to town and you see scribes and Pharisees and lawyers and teachers and tax collectors and all these other professions, and we're just stuck being shepherds. We are unkept. We're unqualified. We're really not able to do anything else but this. In fact, the reason I don't think we have purpose is because if I look back to our family, my father was a shepherd and his father's a shepherd. We're stuck being shepherds until we can get married and have kids of our own. At least we can let our kids be the shepherds. But this job we have just feels so lacking purpose. At that moment, they heard a rustling in the brush over there. And both of them looked at each other, their eyes got wide open because they didn't know if it might be a wolf or it might be a lion. And there was this moment, they almost got excited that something was maybe coming to attack the sheep because their job was so boring. Their job as a shepherd was so unfulfilling. Their job was so lacking purpose that sometimes they looked forward to a beast of the night coming to the sheep. At least that gave some excitement for the night. And they listened. And there that movement, but after a few minutes it went away, so they knew there was no, no real threat. And they went back to their conversation of having jobs with no purpose, but the conversation just kind of dwindled away because how much more can you keep going around and around in the same cycle of talking just what a horrible, purposeless job that you have? Now again, that's a pretend conversation, right? Don't go look in the scripture. Don't let me overcomplicate it. But as we turn to the scripture and look at what the scripture actually says, it gives us some context of maybe the angels and the shepherds and what they were going through as we read this story. And so if you have your Bibles or I'll put it up on the screen, I want to read for you Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. The story, the account, the biblical story, the real account of the shepherds and the angels on that special night. And here's what it says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. And he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find him, a baby, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven praising God. And they were saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart. And thought about them often. And then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard, just as the angel had told them. So the question that I've asked myself for year after year as I read this story, why did God choose shepherds to be the first people that he announced the birth of his son Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah of the world? 
Because really, we talked about it. He could have chose scribes. He could have chose Pharisees. He could have chose religious leaders. He could have chose politicians, lawyers. The list goes all the way down. Why did he choose the shepherds with all those other ones? Because it seems to me, if I was in charge, if God was making plans to send Jesus down to this earth, and he said, hey, Keith, who should we tell first? I mean, who's going to be the most beneficial? Who's going to help get this message of Jesus being born? Who should we go to first? Like through my mind, I'm thinking maybe it's the priest because they had the best theological understanding, right? They had the theological training. They had the theological education. So if you tell the priest God, then, then they could understand what it means. Scripturally, they could look at the different prophecies, and it would all match up. So it would make sense maybe to tell the priest first. Or if you don't tell the priests first, maybe you do talk to the Pharisees. Because as the religious leaders of the day, they had the influence. They could gather a crowd when it's time to go to the temple. They had the spiritual influence to just kind of relay messages to people and speak it with authority. So if you're going to get the message of the Messiah being born, it makes sense that maybe you would choose the Pharisees or the Sadducees. If you don't choose any of those two. How about the tax collectors? Now, they may not be the holiest bunch. They may not be the, the, the bunch with the greatest, highest reputation, but they had the power. Okay? If they wanted somebody to know something, they had the power to call them to them and make them listen. Or if you don't choose the tax collector, maybe the lawyers, maybe the politicians, maybe even choose the school teachers and start the, the, the conversation down when the kids were young and work it on up to the parents. But we know from Scripture, first of all, that thank goodness God didn't ask Keith for his advice because I would have messed that up. But we know from Scripture that God chose the shepherds. And so the question is, why did he choose the shepherds? Now, Scripture doesn't give us this full here's why. But let's think for a second. And here's Keith's proposal. I think God might have chose the shepherds because when he delivered the message, when he got the message that his son was born, he had one purpose behind it, and God's purpose of his son coming to this earth was for everyone to know that's the Messiah. In fact, it wasn't just the Messiah being born, baby Jesus. God's intention for the moment that Jesus came to this earth was for Jesus to grow to be a young man and then a, then a, then a teaching man doing miracles and, and healing people and, and preaching God's word and eventually dying on the cross for our sins. God's intention when he sent Jesus was not just that we would create a holiday called Christmas and celebrate. God's intention when he sent Jesus was to create a Savior that would die on the cross for our sins and be resurrected three days later to save us from our sins. So God's intentions was more than just a Christmas card. God's intention was salvation. And God's intention with salvation is not something that we would hold close going, oh, I've got Jesus. I would tell you about it, but it's so special to me. I don't want you to know. God's intention when he sent Jesus to us for our salvation is that we would all become communicators, that we would all become heralds of the good news that Jesus brought being born on this earth. In fact, before Jesus died, he was talking to some people one day, and he said this in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And so while the shepherds might have been the first to hear the good news, God's intention was for it to never stop with the shepherds. It was to pass through every other person. And as followers of Jesus, it is his intention that you and I share that good news. But the question is still out there. So why did he choose the shepherds first? Again, here's Keith's thoughts. Here's what I think. 
He knew the shepherds in hearing the good news of the Messiah being born would realize their purpose in life was to be the conveyors of that information. They were to be the heralds of that celebration. You see, if God would have asked me and he would have followed my advice and he would have had the, let's just say, the lawyers first. Going, okay, I'm going to get all the lawyers together because they are powerful and they have influence with people. I'll tell them first. The lawyers might have got the news from the angels. He said, well, let me check my schedule. Yes, I need to go see him, but I'm checking my schedule, and I've got a meeting tomorrow, and I've got to go to trial the next day, and I don't have a free spot in my, my calendar until next week, so I'll be happy to go visit this baby Jesus, and, and I can tell people, but it's going to be tough squeezing into my calendar. So maybe God listened to me instead of going to the lawyers, went to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees would have heard the news and said, wow, <laughs> this is interesting. If this is really the Messiah, that's going to put him up over me, and that may affect my priority in people's lives, and I'll lose some of my power, and I'll lose some of my influence, and I'll lose some of my prestige. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll go see Jesus, but i got to make sure he's in his right place, and his right place is below me. Well, that would have never worked, would it? And we can go down the different list. And it could have been the reason that God chose the shepherds is because he knew they were a humble lot of people out in the fields. And yes, they might have struggled with their purpose, but it's because they didn't know their purpose yet. They were simply doing what they needed to do, being obedient workers in the field. But God knew the moment that he revealed his purpose in their life, to their purpose for him in their lives, that they would awaken and they would fulfill that purpose. And so the angels came in that field that night or that day or whenever, whatever time it was and said, the Savior is born. Go check him out. And the Bible says the angels did exactly that. They didn't look at their calendar. They didn't figure out how it's going to be as far as their, their prestige and how people might look at them. They're like, yeah, if that's the Savior, we got to go. These angels delivered this message to us. And this message, they said, is a message of great joy. And they went to see the baby Jesus. I love our nativity ceramic scenes. Aren't they the most peaceful things? Every year we bring it out. In fact, in the Smith household, we have one that Denise leaves out year round because it signifies to us the beginning of the joy brought to the world. And can you imagine those shepherds walked in, many of them 14, 15, 16 years old. Only thing they know about babies is their mom probably had two or three brothers and sisters of their own brothers and sisters they helped take care of sometimes. And so they walk in with their canes and their staffs. They probably smell themselves going, I hope I don't stink too bad. It's been three days, but I hope I don't disturb them with my smell. And, and I hope they'll acknowledge me because the rest of the world doesn't acknowledge me. And you can imagine they walked in with these gentle steps, seeing this precious child laying in the manger. But more than seeing with their eyes, they saw with their hearts. It's more than a baby. It's the Son of God. It had to be this holy moment. It had to be this moment that only 15 years old, and they hadn't been taught all the religious stuff, but they knew reverence when it was in front of them. And there had to be this reverence. There had to be this worship. There had to be this just moment of, can you believe this is happening in front of our eyes? And the Bible says this. That after they were there with the baby Jesus, they left. 
and we can only assume they left to go back and take care of the sheep. We don't know the story. Did they leave one like the low man on the totem pole, one shepherd to take care of the sheep? Because there's probably no way they could have brought the whole herd in there with them when they came to town to see the baby Jesus. So that maybe they looked at Mary going, Mary, thank you so much. We are so grateful for seeing your son. We need to get back and take care of the sheep now. And one by one, they dismissed themselves. Maybe one of the shepherds reached down and gave the little baby a kiss on the forehead. And they're like, we got to get back. And they're talking amongst themselves. We don't know how many shepherds there were, maybe four, five, six, seven. But they're talking about themselves. And they don't look at their watch because they don't have watches. But they know they got to get back. And as they start walking back, maybe one of them said, hang on a second. My cousin lives around the corner. Can I just go tell my cousin about Jesus? Because the angels brought us this good news of Jesus. It brings great joy. This is the Messiah that we've been waiting on. He is the Savior of the world. I got to go tell my cousin. And the other one next to him goes, oh, yeah, and my aunt lives right around that corner. Let me just go tell her real quick. And one by one, they're going, yeah, and I've got this person, this person. And all of a sudden, this group says, okay, here's the plan. We're going to split up. Everybody goes to your neighbor, your cousin, your friend, whoever you want to go to. you got five minutes to tell them about Jesus, but we got to meet back here so we can get back to our flock. And maybe one by one, they go to these different people, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you got to go see. They're right around the corner. Yeah, don't tell Mary I told you, but you got to go see Jesus, and this is amazing. And they finally get back, but after five minutes, it's really like 15 or 20 minutes, because on the way back from whoever they were telling, they saw somebody else. They said, hey, i got to tell you about Jesus. He was just born. He's the Messiah of the world. And so it takes them 15 or 20 minutes. They finally gather together, and they're about to leave, and all of a sudden, they see somebody across the street, someone they don't know. And one of the shepherds went, hey, i got to tell you something. I can't keep this inside. Jesus has been born. There's a Savior, the Messiah of the world has been born. you got to go. Just go down the block and around the corner, and there you'll find him. And everywhere they walked as they're trying to get out of town, hey, you got to go see, you got to go see. I've got to believe that their purpose is being filled because the angel came to tell them of the great joy of Jesus. And the Bible says they left glorifying God and telling everyone. They had found their purpose. They understand that God had made them not to take care of sheep, but to be the herald of the great shepherd. And in this moment, as they're getting back to the sheep, they had to glorify God and tell everyone. In fact, let me read that passage to you again. In Luke chapter 10, verse, chapter 2, verse 10. When the angel first arrived at the place of the shepherds before they ever went to see Jesus, this is what the angel said, that famous verse. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. In other words, shepherds, I'm bringing you news, but the news is not to stay with you because the news has got to get out to all people. Parentheses, I'm about to tell you your purpose. I'm about to show you why you were created. Yes, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So the shepherds took that good news, went to see the Jesus, baby Jesus, and they began to share that good news. So the question I ask is, why did Jesus or why did God tell the shepherds first? I don't think that's the right question. It's too premature. But the question is bigger than why did they go first? Because reality, the best question is, what does God expect from us? Why does God let us know about the Messiah, Jesus the Savior? And let me answer the question. 
because that's your purpose. The purpose that you sit here in this room right now and we talk about the birth of our Savior, but more than the birth of our Savior, his whole life and his death and his burial and his resurrection. The reason we have that information because it changed our lives so much, just like it changed the the shepherds back in those days. It has changed our lives so much. Our purpose is to go share the good news, the joy to every person we come in contact with. That's our purpose. But yet I'm afraid we get so complicated in life that we become more like lawyers and teachers and Pharisees and we have all of our schedules are so complicated. Our theology can become so complicated. Our lives become so complicated that we miss the very reason that God created us. And the very reason that God created us, just like the shepherds, so we can share the good news, the joy that comes from Jesus the Messiah. When you came in today, and you've been seeing them for a couple of weeks, there is a card that you sat on, a door hanger. Could everybody just pick up that card for a second, that door hanger? Hold it up just like this so I know you have it. If your neighbors are asleep, this is a good time to wave in their face to wake them up right now. All right, here's why I bring those out to you. You and I have the opportunity this week to live in the very purpose that God created us. And that purpose is to share the good news. Now, there's all kinds of ways to share the good news, right? You can sit down and share the whole salvation plan with somebody. And sometimes God calls us to do that. But one of the easiest ways to share the good news is simply invite them to a church to hear the story of the good news. And so this week, church, my challenge is to you is to share the good news to live in the very purpose that God created you. To take the joy that you find in your heart because you know Jesus the Messiah and you share that joy. God never gave us the joy of Jesus to hold on to. God gave us the joy of Jesus to give away. And so this is simply an easy tool that you can use. Now, You're like, well, one, I got three or four friends. Great. When you leave today, there'll be somebody standing out there, and they'll give you as many as you want, okay? Grant has done just a sacrificial job, invited people, helped, and and enlisted people, and they've been going to the door for it, just the neighborhood around here, just knocking the doors and living it, giving them. But he said it. A personal invitation is much more effective than just a door hanger on a stranger's house. And so you get to be the giver. You get to be the herald of the good news. Can you imagine when the shepherds were walking down the street and they said, hey, baby, Jesus is born. You got to go. Can you imagine when someone they just said that to gets up and starts walking toward the place where the baby Jesus was? There had to be this like, ah, and the shepherd, like, that's the way it's supposed to work. There had to be a fulfillment in them. There had to be a joy because they took the joy they found and they passed that joy to another person. My prayer is this, is that you and I would experience that kind of joy this week as we become the heralds of the new Christ child that was born for us. What's our purpose? It's to share joy, the joy of Jesus. In fact, let me give the definition of joy there as we've been taking the different, different definitions this week. And here's what we wrote. Joy is experiencing contentment, And gladness, because God's in control of everything. Experiencing contentment and gladness, 
because God is in control of everything. I think of my friends Cindy and Betty and Jack, and as y'all stood down here and you lit those candles, I'm sure your life, if you review it like anybody else's life in here, is sometimes filled with unknowns. It's filled sometimes with disappointments. It's filled with woulda, shoulda, couldas in there. But here's what I know, is that when you trust that God is in control of everything, regardless of the unknowns, regardless of the woulda, coulda, shouldas, regardless of the disappointments that we might experience, we can still have contentment and we can have gladness knowing that God is in control. And it is that confidence that we share with joy the birth of our Savior. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for seemingly lowly characters like shepherds. And we confess that sometimes we look at them and we're like, God, thank you that I'm not like them. But God, a better prayer today is, God, thank you that you made them the way they are. And that you simplified their life in such a way and made it so uncomplicated that they would be the first to share the news and the joy of Jesus. And so I pray this, Jesus. We may not in this room be professional shepherds, but may we follow the footsteps of shepherds. And this week, may we simplify our life just enough that we will take the time and the energy and the effort to share the good news of Jesus. And may we invite people to that joy. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.